Tuesday, March the 29th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, peace talks between Russia and Ukraine resume and Abramovich reportedly poisoned. First, the world in brief. Negotiating teams from Russia and Ukraine arrived in Istanbul for peace talks hosted by Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the Turkish president. It is the first such meeting in two weeks. Both sides say they are seeking a ceasefire. Russia wants its annexation of Crimea to be recognised and independence for the Donbass region. But Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, has said that the country won't compromise on its territorial integrity. Russia is no longer demanding Ukraine be, quote, denazified and is reportedly prepared to let it join the EU, however. Roman Abramovich, a Russian oligarch and two Ukrainian negotiators, allegedly suffered symptoms of suspected poisoning during informal peace talks held earlier this month. According to the Wall Street Journal, Mr Abramovich, who was acting as a mediator between Russia and Ukraine, was blinded for a few hours. Russian hardliners who wanted to sabotage the negotiations are thought to be behind the attack. Mr Zelensky urged the West to impose, quote, effective and substantial sanctions, including an oil embargo on Russia and to keep supplying weapons to Ukraine. In his nightly address to the nation, he said, quote, Ukrainians should not die just because someone cannot find enough courage to hand over the necessary weapons. Meanwhile, a spokesman for the Kremlin said Russia would only use nuclear weapons if there is a threat to the, quote, existence of the state. The office of the mayor of Mariupol, a Ukrainian port city which has been under siege since the first week of the war, said that, quote, thousands of people have died there and that 90% of the residential buildings have been damaged or destroyed. The mayor also said that the city needed to be completely evacuated, but that it was up to the Russian occupiers to allow that to happen. Joe Biden, America's president, said his comment on Saturday that Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, cannot continue to hold power reflected his, quote, moral outrage over the invasion. Quote, I wasn't then, nor am I now, articulating a policy change, said Mr Biden. He added that it was, quote, ridiculous to interpret the remark as calling for regime change and that he would make, quote, no apologies for it. Other news. Residents in the eastern half of Shanghai were banned from going out for any reason apart from getting a COVID-19 test on Tuesday after daily local infections of the virus reached a record 4,477. The western part of the city will go into lockdown on Friday. A Singaporean court rejected an appeal to stop the execution of a mentally impaired Malaysian man convicted of drug smuggling. Maganthan de Marlingham has been on death row in Singapore for more than a decade. A federal judge asserted it was, quote, more likely than not, that Donald Trump committed crimes in attempting to overturn America's presidential election in 2020. That determination came in a ruling requiring an associate of Mr Trump to submit documents related to the election to congressional investigators. Jair Bolsonaro, Brazil's president, ousted the CEO of Petrobras 
a state-run oil company. Mr Bolsonaro was reportedly unhappy that Petrobras had raised fuel prices last month. Shares in Petrobras tumbled in response to the announcement. Fred Smith said he would step down as CEO of FedEx, the American logistics company he founded more than 50 years ago. Raj Subramaniam, the President and Chief Operating Officer, will take over. Fact of the day. 110,000. The number of neighbourhood committees in China. They help to enforce the country's zero-Covid policy. And correction. On March 26th, we mistakenly referred to Nagorno-Karabakh as a, quote, ethnic Albanian enclave. It is, of course, an ethnic Armenian enclave. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. More peace talks in Turkey. A new round of negotiations between Russian and Ukrainian diplomats kicks off in Istanbul on Tuesday. Turkish officials say they hope to broker a ceasefire. That seems optimistic. Last week, Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, said that Russia and Ukraine had agreed on four of the main six points of contention, including the status of the Russian language in Ukraine and the country's relationship with NATO. But he was later contradicted by Ukraine's foreign minister. One possible area of consensus may be the question of Ukraine's neutrality. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, has said he would be prepared to accept that as the price for peace. He has also emphasised that any deal would have to include security guarantees for Ukraine. But Russian demands, including Ukrainian disarmament and recognition of the independence of the Luhansk and Donetsk statelets, suggest that Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, seeks not peace but capitulation. Ukraine will not give him that. The risks of a Russian hack Many analysts expected Russia's military invasion of Ukraine to be accompanied by cyber attacks aimed at disabling critical infrastructure. But this tactic, which Russia has used before, has been notable in its absence. Nevertheless, Ukraine's allies, even those far from the battlefield, are worried. In a speech on March 21st, Joe Biden, America's president, quoted intelligence assessments that Russia was, quote, exploring cyber attacks on America and its firms. Such attacks operate in a grey zone between run-of-the-mill espionage, i.e. data theft, and conventional warfare, shutting down power grids or damaging a country's nuclear weapons programme. As such, there is little consensus on what sort of action should follow an attack. But that uncertainty can be exploited by everyone, not just Russia. America has hackers of its own. They might retaliate in kind. A dramatic attack designed to send a message risks provoking an equally dramatic response. The pain in Spain The war in Ukraine has driven up energy prices across Europe but it has done so in a particular way in Iberia. Spain is connected to France by two gas pipelines and to Algeria by one. 
and Portugal gets its gas via Spain. Most Spanish customers pay electricity prices linked to now soaring gas prices. So last week, Spain's Prime Minister, Pedro Sánchez, and Portugal's Antonio Costa won permission from other EU leaders to cap gas prices temporarily. Now they must work out how to avoid falling foul of the bloc's single market rules. They must also try to agree with lorry drivers on a plan to subsidise fuel. A group of truckers has been on strike for two weeks, causing shortages of food. In Spanish, to be quote, de mala leche, in bad milk, means to be in a bad mood. Such is the attitude of Spaniards, now that the white stuff is missing from shop shelves. CNN joins the streaming business. After Disney+, Plus, Paramount+, Plus, and Apple TV+, Plus, comes CNN+. Plus. On Tuesday, the cable news giant launches a $5.99 per month streaming service in America, with an international rollout to follow. CNN Plus subscribers will get a mix of news and factual programming, including a series by actress Eva Longoria on Mexican food. But CNN's flagship rolling news channel is off the menu in America, where it remains reserved for cable customers. Insiders say that CNN Plus subscribers in other countries, where cable is less popular, are likely to get the news channel included. With more households cutting their cables, that is probably where things are eventually heading in America too. Just over half of homes have cable services, down from nearly 9 out of 10 a decade ago. Streamers have already robbed cable of its best drama, comedy and documentaries, and have started buying the rights to sports games. CNN's entry to streaming is another sign that cable will soon be old news. Blue Origin's latest launch Jeff Bezos's aerospace company will launch its fourth passenger trip to the edges of Earth's atmosphere on Tuesday, six days later than planned. The delay knocked Pete Davidson, a television comedian, off the six-passenger manifest. He will be replaced by Gary Lai, an engineer who has worked at Blue Origin for 18 years. That longevity makes him an increasingly rare breed. Turnover is painful in aerospace, where levers take specialised knowledge with them and training new recruits can take up to a year. Blue Origin is no exception. But the company's problems have been compounded by complaints from departing employees of a toxic work culture. Blue Origin has ambitions beyond taking rich people on joyrides. It hopes its new Glenn rocket will participate in a broader space-based economy by running regular shuttles and launching satellites. But staffing issues, along with the pandemic and lost contracts, have hurt. Originally planned for 2020, New Glenn won't launch until at least 2023. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday... Your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country 
by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which drummer, noted for his lengthy solos, was a co-founder of the supergroup Cream? Monday. Which company, set up in 1670, controlled the fur trade in British North America before evolving into a retailer? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Eugene McCarthy, who was born on this day in 1916. Remember that the worst accidents occur in the middle of the road. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 